Living downright buddy, buddy, buddy Wish I missed the past Buddy, buddy, but there's still Buddy cast Now don't be naughty Go meet everybody Here on Buddy Cast Hello. Hello! I love that theme song. It's like like that Vietnam War era <laughs> style music, but the most positive tune ever. I love it. <laughs> uh, perfect. That's one, of the, that's one of the first compliments I've ever gotten on that theme song. I love it. It reminds you of like that Bob Dylan, uh, who's the guy yeah. like Easy Destruction, like the, that like era of music, but not like, you know, yeah. the world's killing everybody and communism. Like it wasn't like one of those kind of songs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Welcome to the 100th episode of buddy cast Woo! i'm here with my new buddy adam how you doing today buddy well i, I have my coffee and uh, i'm uh, i'm ready to rock i put on a vest for the occasion i may not yeah. be wearing pants but i'm definitely wearing a vest yeah no one no one wears pants on this show no yeah. i haven't worn pants in about six months yeah not even <laughs> half of my guests so <laughs> so you know i met you to a charity show this past yeah. month um, for Rocking Our Disabilities. You were the producer of that. I got to start by asking, how many charity shows do you usually work with? Like, how many organizations do you work with? I usually only do one or two a year. The one that I work most with, or rather the the, the group, the type of charity I work most with, are veteran charities. Uh, my hmm. grandfather passed away a couple of years. He was a, a, a Korea vet. My uncle was a vet. Um, my other uncle was also a veteran. I have a lot of family that are in... Um, that are in the or were in the armed forces and friends. So for me at least, I was listening to WMGK's Veteran Radiothon the one year, and I thought, I mean, what the heck? Like we can we can raise money for this. Like I do I do cabaret shows. A lot of the stuff is very like period specific. So we did kind of like a burlesque 1940s USO, and raised a good amount of money for it. I have my buddy Ed who helped out with the Rock and Our Disabilities charity, and he double matches everything every year. So we we go on the radio or drop off the money. I usually bring my buddy Drew with me and they say like, oh, you know, what's the first time he came around, they're like, I, he must be with you because he's wearing a fedora and a pinstripe fedora <laughs> and a pinstripe suit and he's got like a like a cane. <laughs> it must be, uh, he must be one of yours. Uh, so I did that and then we sometimes work with Pinups on Tour which is out in Vegas. They, they do kind of the same thing but they, they primarily work in like bringing the USOs to BFWs and you know and VA hospitals and that kind of thing. So I, I work a lot with that. And as a teacher, I've always wanted to get more into stuff with education or like what we do with rock and our disabilities because I you know I was a special ed uh, educator for a little while as well. So it's 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 a it's a moving, shaking you know amalgamation of things. I'm slowly I'm playing mm -hmm. around. With it. I mean I got nowhere mm -hmm. else to go. Everybody's kind of in the crapper right now. So at least I can do is make a lot of competition. I got to ask real quick, do you have any funny yet uh, viewer-appropriate uh, stories from your teaching? Um, oh, God. Uh, yes. So my first year teaching was my first week, and the kids really weren't taking me seriously. I was like the third teacher they had that year. Like they had run the previous two out of the, out of the school because like they, they were like this, the band of just like crazy miscreants. And um, we... I was like, you know what? I'm not goofing around. We're taking a quiz. And I was teaching a history class for sixth graders. And I was like, all you have to do is name, was it five presidents? And uh, 
and the, the, this one kid, I mean, I actually, the one time I did stand up, I just read this. Like, uh, I just, you know, finished grading it. And I get up on stage and I was like, this is what a kid gave me. It was uh, J O R G E, Jorge, I guess, not George, watching tongue, T O N G, um, Aberman Lingon, and Roosevelt. Not any particular Roosevelt, just Roosevelt. <laughs> At least sounded like, you know, like a Bolshevik or something like that. Um, and then we did another quiz, and the kid gave me the. He was a little. He was a little more. You know, a little more into it the next time we did a quiz. I was like, just name ten states, and he gave me um, North Dakota, South Dakota, Virginia, West Virginia. So he's like playing. You know, playing the uh, playing the patterns. Um, and what else he did? North Dakota, South Dakota, uh, West Virginia, and he did North Carolina, South Carolina, and then did Jersey. Just Jersey and New Jersey, and then Mexico and New Mexico, and then for extra credit, put Philadelphia as a state. So, <laughs> oh, I was like, you had me, man. I was, I had such, I had such hope in you, dude. <laughs> you know, that's the kid that's going places, right? You know, that's the yeah. kid that you're gonna run into today, and he's gonna be like in charge of like this cybersecurity for this one. And you're you're like I am so happy for you and everything, and then you walk away and go, they're in trouble or something like yeah. that. Oh, he was trouble, but he was a good kid. He was he was a little, yeah. I don't know. He was, I wouldn't say he was deviant, but he was he was tricky. He liked to like play jokes, and so he would always move yeah. my stapler around. I don't know why he had a fixation with my stapler, but <laughs> that was like his big prank every day. He would move my stapler. <laughs> hey, at least he didn't put it in jello like the other, like the office, you know, <laughs> or like office space. But he was he was a cool kid. I like Robbie. He's just eating he's just eating the jello. How do you know it was me? <laughs> he called that invincible. This kid put my stuff in jello again. <laughs> How do you know it was me? I I was actually just doing a, a podcast about oh, what was his name? Adolfo Jesus de Costanza. He was like a like wasn't a drug lord, but like he thought he was like a voodoo doctor, mm -hmm. and would get cartels in Mexico to pay him like exorbitant amounts of money for him to do spells to protect them. And what he was actually doing was taking that money and turning it around and getting it to like law enforcement to make him turn a blind eye. And the one guy was so convinced that it was magic that he drove through a Mexican roadblock thinking he was invisible, and they just followed him back to the ranch where they all were. That's how he got caught. Like, <laughs> he was just like, they were, when they caught him, they're like, what did you do? And he was like, I was invisible. How'd you see me? Like, how'd you know it was me? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Now I'm going to jump to this one. Going back to the first question I asked yeah. you about charities, um, I always ask <laughs> my buddies that come on the show, if you could have our audience donate to one charity of your choice, what would it be and why? I don't know. Right now, I feel like any educational charity would be good. I haven't done much with educational mind, but it's like I'm seeing my teacher friends. It's hard like teaching remotely and kids aren't getting what they need because they don't have access to books or they don't have access to tech support. I mean, I know Philadelphia is like ages behind when it comes to, you know, I, I guess you can't plan for a pandemic, but like they're ages behind when it comes to having technology for the kids to actually engage. And I even see it on a collegiate level. Like they're not they're not prepared to teach these classes. Teachers aren't prepared to teach these classes, and it's a lot of work, and there's still a lot of truancy. They felt like, oh, they're home. They can't cut class. They just don't have to turn the computer on. <laughs> you know, it's like it's yeah. even easier. So I would recommend any kind of local 
educational charity because these teachers are really, really, really they're they're behind the eight ball, to say the least. And they, they need the tech, they need the support, they need, you know, the representation. That's that's my recommendation on that one. That was beautiful. I truly agree, because education really is hard at this point, you know, like it was hard going into the pandemic. Now it's yes. borderline impossible. Yes. Truly truly is now i gotta ask you you do a little performing yourself am i correct a little little bit yeah bit. you do a little mask performing like my buddy chris well i i don't necessarily i don't perform i collect masks i don't know if you ah. can, i have an aztec mask over here behind me and then above me which i don't think is in shot i have all of my comedian masks i just i I, I worked with and I, I kind of like followed around a comedian group when I was living in, in Italy for a little while. And I just kind of took a liking to, and I enjoy the idea of the masks. Um, I incorporate them a lot into shows and ideas that I, I put together for storylines. Um, my true mask, I guess, is um, being like the man behind the curtain. Like <laughs> there, there were a couple of years when I first started producing shows where I would, I would go up and compliment performer. Like, that was excellent. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Thank you very much. And like, I got to go find the producer to get my paycheck. I'm like, that's also me. So, <laughs> like, that's that's kind of like the mask that I have. But um, as far as performing, I, I actually started with magic as a kid. Love card tricks. Like, I'm, I'm a huge fan of like Ledger Germain and card tricks and sleight of hand and all that kind of stuff. And I also enjoy creating tricks. So, kind of uh, in a way, my mask, my metaphorical mask in that situation is also being. The behind the scenes guy. So I had to figure mm -hmm. out how to combine primarily like masculine style tricks. Like there are tricks that are meant for men wearing vests or jackets and adapt them for like female burlesque dancers, which was a neat little challenge. So that was always really fun too. I mean, plus when it comes to burlesque, you have built in, uh, you have built in a misdirection, like, you know, like the tricks going on over here and, you know, they're pasties over here. So no one's really paying attention to what's going on with the tricks. <laughs> <laughs> but mostly my mask consists of hiding in the coat closet. Yeah. A quick follow-up question on that. What sparked your interest in magic? I, as a kid, my father always did card tricks. My grandfather did card tricks. In fact, the one I use to this day, which is, it's so stupid and simple. Like, it's such a dumb little thing. And it still baffles, like, actual magicians. But, like, you know, they, they overthink it because it's so simple and they, like, try to figure it out. And that just kind of grew from there. And, you know, grandmother got me magic kits. I got my set of like cups and balls. I, I watched a lot of Penn and Teller as a kid and I like kind of the, the pageantry of it. So I just, I screwed around. I never did anything really professional. I did a couple of gigs where I performed. And I also, uh, for my senior project in high school, I went around to underprivileged schools and I performed magic and did like a little lesson for the kids in the schools. It's kind of like a Patch Adams. Yeah. Aesthetic. Yeah. You're going to laugh. We were talking about earlier about people being on the show. He was on the show too. Who? The real Patch Adams. Get out of here, really? The real Patch Adams. I know him personally. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> You're a little bit of a hero. Ted Bowie's episodes, man. Did you know? If you... There are a hundred of them. How many? I got this a hundred. I got <laughs> <laughs> You can choose. Oh, you're going to go through it more. I, really I tell you that I had Sinbad on this show, too. I knew about that. I saw the Sinbad. Yes. Yeah. So, but did you know this fact? If you write a letter to Patch Adams, he hands writes you a letter back. Really? I will send you his address right after the show. And oh, I would love to know. You got to. He's a great guy. He's a great, great friend. So he actually oh, helped me. That, is, that, that would be yeah. wonderful. I would love to chat. Yeah. 
I got a story about him. He, um, my buddy was for the, for a little while struggling to get into med school. And he, I knew he's been my best friend since like first grade, you know, so maybe kindergarten. So I knew he had everything to be a doctor. He was, you know, he had the heart to do it. He, if he puts his mind to it, he's going to do it. He just needed to get, he just needed to get through the gates, you know? So I wrote to Patch and just said, Hey, would you mind helping me out with a favor? And can you just write my friend a little letter of encouragement to help get into med school? He's got the heart. He's got the soul. He's got everything. And about a week later, my best friend calls me and says, I just got this huge package from Patch with three signed books and a personal letter encouraging me to get into med school. I just want to say thank you so much. You know, thank you for that. That's so sweet. Yes. And it's then other people like that out there, man. Like yeah. sometimes there are folks that like act that way, but it's just a sham, you know? Yes. There's other and, folks like that out there. Yes. And then um, my, so I told my friend when he got my, a week after that, my friend got into yeah. medical. He's now in Philadelphia uh, College of Medicine. And, oh, nice. PCOM? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So he's done a PCOM and um, I told him, hey, you got to, you know, I told him one day, I'm like, you got to update Patch. You got to tell him what's going on with you, man. Like, he would be thrilled to hear that he helped someone get into med school. So he wrote Patch a letter. And then Patch wrote back saying, you're in Philadelphia right now? Give me a call. I got a favor for you. Yeah, I got a favor to ask you. And Patch had this friend who went blind from a stroke. He said, I just need someone to just check up on him. Just check up on him. Give me a daily report of how he's doing. You don't have to go every single day. Just I'll be heading every now and then and just, you know, just tell me how things are going just so I can have eyes on him or something, you know? And my friend did it for about like a year. Like just Fantastic. like we'd take a study break and just go, I'm going to go visit so-and-so. That and is it, so wonderful. Yes. So 100%. And that friend will be on BuddyCast later this month too. Oh, you're, you're your friend in PCOM? Yeah. Yeah. I'd be interested to see that. My my friend actually just graduated from PCOM. He, he oh, no. a doctor like at the beginning of the pandemic. I was like, that is one oh, yeah. time to start. Like that's trial by fire. <laughs> it's what, so- I love about, what I love about this friend is um, he is oh he's that one friend you can text about anything. Like, hey man, I'm having this weird feeling in like my leg or something. Or I'm talking about I'm not like a hypochondriac. Yeah. I'm like, hey, so like my my wrist is a little weird and like it yeah. kind of hurts. He goes. Do the put your thumb in your hand and like it's like a magic trick and like you know push it down. It might be something that's like nervous or it might be something that's like bone related. I do yeah. it all the time. You probably yeah. But and I love yeah, and that's like, like I'm not a hypochondriac or anything. Like I'm not like uh, you know oh there's a tickle on my throat. Oh dude, that's not good or something like that. You know. Did you try drinking water? Going. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. Like, Thank you. You're 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 a lifesaver. Exactly. <laughs> but I've texted them these things like. You know, hey, I've had this weird, like, pinch in the back of my leg or something like that. I don't know what it is. And he's like, hmm, kind of sounds stress-related. Have you been stressed out lately? Like, have you been, oh, there has been this and that. So, yeah, I'd say so. He's out diagnosed multiple times. And not in just these little ways, but sometimes bigger ways, too. He's out diagnosed my sister's ex-boyfriend, who is a professional doctor right now. Really? So, yeah, he's got tremendous That's hope. Something, man. I can't, I can't wait to like, you know, then again, the doctor, you know, the doctor's like, I'm not playing this game. I'm not doing, I'm like, okay, if I am dying over here, you know, don't come crying at my feet. At least, yeah, at least give me like a little, 
I'm just asking you if I should go call my real doctor at the moment because I, you know, can't do this. Like if it was something COVID related or something, like I can't tell. Yes, if you can so, avoid going to the doctor, like that's kind of what I've been in the mindset exactly. of the past year. Yeah, like, yeah, if I can like avoid going yeah. out and being in a room with other sick people, I'd exactly. rather do it. Exactly. Or like I've had shoulder pain and back pain in the back, you know, and as a little person, back pain is almost like that could be code red, you know, because if something happens to your back, that could be, you know, so, but he's been a tremendous friend. So I'm very hopeful for him. Be, I'm very hopeful for my buddy to become a doctor one day. I tell him I'm going to be well, a first got, He's got the boom from Patch Adams, man. Like, yes. yeah. <laughs> it's like a, it's a free ride, man. That's one exactly. hell of a Exactly. Alrighty. Now, another question I want to ask you produce, you said it yourself, you produce a lot of shows, mm -hmm. including like you, you, um, you have the Drew Nugget show. Am I new to show? Drew Nugget, yeah. no relation. Yeah. <laughs> Drew Nugent. Yeah. What's the, uh, what's the story behind that? So Drew, Drew Nugent is the band leader for a band called Drew Nugent, the Midnight Society, which is named, I think, I think is named after, uh, are you afraid of the dark, the Midnight Society? Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with that whatsoever. Just a cool name for a 1920s jazz band. Um, and they tend to play till midnight, I guess. But he's kind of like a a very authentic, like barrel house, speakeasy style, like vintage 1920s, 30s, and sometimes 40s jazz band. And I, I ran into him in a snowstorm at a burlesque show. We were kind of snowed in. People who were, we did two shows back to back. The guys who didn't want to leave and go into the snowstorm just stayed for the second one. And Drew's sitting in the back and he's on top of the bar. That's my cat. <laughs> we love it when my guests have guests that come on the show. <laughs> she was like, You're talking to someone that's not me. Yes. We, we goofed around like till like three in the morning because the bar shut down. Nobody wanted to leave. And he said, hey, you know, if you ever need a jazz band, I work for Junior Midnight Society. And I said, oh, yeah, we, we opened for you years ago, like at the barrel, at a, uh, it's called Midnight the Barrel House, we did an underground arts. And um, he was like, oh, you met Drew? And I was like, I think I did. He was like, oh, Drew's a schmuck. And we're goofing around all night long, and, you know, we're drinking, and we go to leave, and he hands me a card. And I go, well, what's your name again, man? He goes, Drew, Drew Nugent. I go, you know what? You are a schmuck. And we've just been friends ever since. And We've kind of rolled him in as kind of our house band for Envoute, which is the cabaret burlesque variety group that I have. Um, and then we put our heads together and made Nugent's Follies, which is like a 1920s vaudeville style variety show. So it's like a three-in-one kind of deal. You have the Midnight Society, you have Nugent's Follies, and you have Envoute, and like they're all kind of interspersed and intermingled with one another in different ways. And they're... Uh, they're my they're my passion project in many ways. I don't think I've got a paycheck from one of them in in maybe eight years. <laughs> I haven't mean, got their tenth anniversary this year, so yeah. yeah. I haven't got a paycheck from Buddy Cash in what six months, eight months, ten months, you know? No, it's in the mail. Don't worry about it. You know, Jack Warren exactly. kind of like this. Exactly. <laughs> so um I asked you about funny teaching stories. What about funny show stories? Like do you have any Anything from we, Yeah, actually, there's one that I saw that and one immediately, hi, hi, cat. Um, <laughs> one immediately came to mind. We got booked by a giant pharmaceutical company. It's like an East Coast company. I forget what its name was. Uh, or I forgot what its name was. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. Um, and they said, we're doing a Moulin Rouge themed Christmas party. 
This is like the first big gig we've ever gotten. And uh, the way it ended up working was you could, um, they, they, like, they, they wanted Moulin Rouge style entertainment. And they hired what was essentially the time of burlesque troupe. Like we did, you know, like strip teases. And uh, they said, but we don't want any dancing. Like no burlesque. And like, especially not can-can. And I was like, but it's Moulin Rouge themed. Like, isn't that what it was? Like, like what, what, like, what, like Toulouse Lautrec drew almost exclusively can-can dancers, burlesque dancers, and cabaret performances. Like, so what do you want from us? And they were going back and forth and back and forth. And the guy who was planning it and the woman who was paying us, like, butt heads a lot. And we kind of just showed up and did what we wanted anyway. They handed us the check when we walked in. So we're like, uh, screw it. We're going to do burlesque. We're going to do dancing. And she came and yelled at us. Um, but I was like, the show's already over, dude. Like, it's, it, you're, you're the 600 people that were there enjoyed it. And then for the rest of the night, we found our way into, uh, like, the bridal suite, the Crystal Tea Room, because we're doing the Wanamaker building. And I was dressed in a suit, and I looked like one of the waiters. So I was just going around the people's tables and, like, taking their bottles of champagne. And someone wanted water. So I just said, oh, would you like a refill on this? And just took their picture of water. And I was bringing everything into the bridal suite. We just stuck around. We were drinking other people's champagne. We had water the entire night. And it, was, it was a fun night, man. It was, I don't it's know how, like allowed that was but we had a blast the staff caught on almost immediately They're like ha 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 yeah. <laughs> say, it's a fun night until the police showed up uh the police never showed up the staff is like very hot hot stuff like we'll just give you a bottle of champagne if you want it's like could you do two <laughs> we got a lot of people back there yeah, yeah that was one night that was like, hey, these, guys are helping out for free. these guys are helping out for free why not yeah. yeah why not man i mean we tipped them well i mean they gave us our paycheck before we showed up so Made sure we took care of him. Yeah, absolutely. Now I got to ask, since I see the cat in the side there, what's the cat's name? Stella. Nice. Like Stella. Yeah, I was just thinking about Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah, from Seinfeld. Stella. Or uh, was it Streetcar Named Desire? I think so. I think she's got a little Siamese in her because she's got those like almost crossed eyes. Mm -hmm. She's real, real, real. Like her, her fur is very, very... Almost oily. It's real, real slick. Yeah. And she's real, real long and thin. Like, she's not your typical, like, black cat that looks like, you know, mm -hmm. something that should be like an alley cat. Like, she's very, you know, she's, she's a sweetheart when she wants to be. Otherwise, she's a big, yep. big douche. Oh, <laughs> and there's the tail. Goodbye. Yep. You know I was talking about her. Yep. That's my girlfriend has a uh, gray man coon named Jax, and he is he's an interesting character. Jax, J A X. Like, from, uh, like, from, Sons of Anarchy? Yeah, like J-A-X, like Jax. Yeah, my, my girlfriend also has a cat named Jax. It's great. It's great for a cat named Jax, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a funny, he's a funny little character. Like, he always, whenever she gets mad at him, I'm like, you know, you could give him a nickname. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like J-A, if you know what I mean, you know? <laughs> and she's like, that's a good idea. So whenever we... Named Spade, which I thought was hysterical. We got him old. The man that previously owned him had passed away, and we're like, we're not putting the cat down. We'll just keep him. Yeah. And Babe was anything but a baby. He was, I, I think he like outlived his two previous owners before me. Mm. Had no teeth in his entire head except for one buck tooth. He had half an ear. He was blind in one eye. 
he never cleaned himself. You ever seen like the Chat Noir? Like I forget what it's an ad for. It's a French French ad. I think for a cabaret or something like that. He looked like that cat. And this dude, he lived for forever, man. Like, and just one day, his just body just shut down. But he was a big baby, albeit one that I think was like over a hundred years old. Like he was, he was pushing like like ninety something, I think, in cat years. <laughs> like, That's insane, man. <laughs> yeah, my grandmother had my grandmother had this guy named Frankie, who she named it Frankie. She's like, oh, he's such a good boy. She one day took him to the vet. So what'd you name this little fellow? Oh, I named him Frankie. Oh, that's good because he's a girl. <laughs> Frankie it is. So this cat hated everybody in the family. Bit, scratched, everyone. <laughs> except me. Oh. This cat loved me. This cat would lay by me. Just everything. Everyone else just scratched his to the point where there's a um, there's a special ed there's like a building for adults with disabilities that's called the Barber Center. Mm-hmm. Very yeah, great, yeah, very great place. They do tremendous things. Well, my <laughs> grandmother lived about ten yards away from this place. Like she lived across the street from this place. And one day, Frankie got out, and that bus was coming down the street. Oh, you no. could get the rest, but at the same time, she we kind of laughed. Because, you know, normally pet owners are like, not Frankie or something. She calls and goes, yeah, let me guess what happened. <laughs> Only Frankie, right? I mean. <laughs> exactly. Because she bit and hissed at, like, you know, the cat bit her, hissed at her, scratched her so much. You'll never guess what happened. Frankie roadkill. Yeah, exactly. That's, like, that's, that's oh, dark. my God, are you okay? It's like, yeah, I'm fine. Street, the street cleaner clipped him up five minutes ago. He's, it's okay. And we're all like. Uh, uh, now let's get on some positivity. Um, yes. you know, so I I did this campaign in the past, and I'm bringing it back. I'm making it a permanent thing. We kind of live in a world today where there's a lot of negativity going around. You know, from politics, from just everything that's going around. You know, you go, yeah, you go outside and say hi to the first person who sees you, and nine out of ten times you're greeted with a profanity back. You know. Well, I mean, I do live in Philadelphia. That happens before. Though. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. happened for the past 30 years here. <laughs> yeah. Even when they won the Super Bowl, it was still like, you yeah. Know. It's the only city in the entire world that could say F you and how's your mother in the same sentence. Exactly. Exactly. So how can we spread more positivity in your opinion? I'm, I'm looking at it from a performance standpoint. I know a lot of the people that I work with, they live more so off of the positivity they get from performing and like the affirmation of like, Hey, like they love me. They're really not like that. That's not that dramatic. But I mean, the idea of being able to be in a show, it's like, it's an emotional and it's a creative outlet for them. And they just want to share that positivity, be it magician or burlesque dancer or musician or comedian. And it's been particularly tough on comedians. Like you can't do stand up without reaction. You know what I mean? And just, Go out. I mean, there's so many shows. You can you can just type in like the, the group I'm with, Envoute, Magic and Burlesque. You can you can look up them. We we try to connect people to all sorts of shows, be it free or something you gotta buy tickets for, or whatever it is. Just go out and support the show. Put aside an hour of your day, just be brain dead. Even if they're they're selling an on-demand show where you can just go and watch it whenever you want. You just buy access to it and watch it. It it helps you. It gives a, a, a performance outlet for the performers, which is also positive for them. And on top of that, there are a lot of really 
meet like um, socially, um, socially, what's a good way to put it? I don't want to say socially just because I know social justice tends to have negative connotations sometimes, but a, a socially aware uh, brand of comedy and performance and burlesque as well. There are a lot of really good like POC performers out there that are now getting, I think, the attention in many ways that maybe they didn't get previously or like they now have kind of a, you know, a, a focus on them as kind of someone to look up to, someone to like listen to and follow and take cues from. Um, and there are plenty of those on the internet, be it burlesque or drag or comedy or music or whatever it might be. Um, and I just say, look for those things, <laughs> you know, go, go find them, go, go forth my son and um, tune in if it's a live stream, you know, uh, we, I know for like the Nugent's Follies, we do it every other Friday. We have performers from all walks of life, all different cultures. We have guys from like Ethiopia. We had a little person from Algier who was on our show. He was a breakdancing, juggling clown. Um, and it's just neat to see all these people um, reflect on what positivity means to them and present it to the audience because it's fun for them. It brings them happiness and by extension, it brings you happiness as well. And now that we're in a virtual world, and even though Facebook in some ways is trying to really kind of snub performance community, all you got to do is hit share, put it on your page. You know what I mean? Put a comment on it. That's it. Like, like right now, like what you're doing right now, like all you have to do is, oh, that's cool. Hit share. Someone can watch it later. It's what? It's been yeah. 25 minutes already. That's yeah. nothing. You can listen to this. You don't have to see my ugly mug, <laughs> you know, but it's not <laughs> a learning experience, something cool. It's, you know, it's just a, another way to put very little effort into making your day a little bit better. 100%. You mentioned a lot of performing in there, like a lot of perform, like on the performance mm -hmm. aspect. I want to ask you now, who are some notable performers that you've worked with in your career? No, I, I, I mean, I, I like to plug Drew because I think he's kind of a mm -hmm. pleasure. Uh, Drew Nugent's a bit of a, a, like a step back in time. <laughs> you know, like he's a walking time machine. Um, he looks, acts, and talks like it's still the 1920s, and he's like a font of useless and wonderful historical knowledge. Um, him, I've also worked with Vivi Noir, who was kind of like a, an on-again, off-again headliner. She just moved down to New Orleans. Um, she is one of the top burlesque performers in the country and is very, very, like, I want to say coy, but very, you know, very quiet about it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, that's just, I happen to get second place in Las Vegas is, like, biggest burlesque, you know, <laughs> festival of all time. Uh, she's fantastic. Um, Tesla, who was my original, um, my original headliner, Tesla Tease, who has since moved on to... Egypt to do newer and better and more wondrous things. Ooh. She's legendary in her own right. Never really did anything too, too big. Never really like seek fame, but was always the absolute positively best at everything she did. And it was kind of by extension legendary. Like people are like, oh, you know Tesla? I'm like, yeah, we, you know, perform it for every weekend. Like <laughs> it's, um, and also as far as magicians are concerned, I love magic. Uh, Francis Minotti. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's been on uh, Fool Us twice. I think he fooled Penn and Teller once. Uh, he's a local boy. He's, you know, a local Philly boy. Um, he helps out with, you know, magic and less cabaret shows all the time, or used to at least. And he's going on to bigger and greener pastures, still local, still an incredible magician. I, I would argue probably one of the best, not even people that I know personally, but one of the best magicians I've seen in the past maybe 20 years. And I would highly recommend him. Very creative, very witty, um, very intellectual uh, magic as well. And he's, he's just a wonder to watch. And somewhere between like listening to Monty Python and like reading a book and watching like 
of Vintage Magic show is incredible. Mm-hmm. So I really, really highly recommend Francis Minotti as well. Mm-hmm. Now, to say the least at this point, he is nationally, if not internationally now. Mm-hmm. Nice. You mentioned a lot of your buddies on there. <clears throat> no. I call a lot of people buddy. <laughs> it's a sickness. No. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things I love to do. I, I, I call everyone my buddy. And I'm not just doing it because I'm on the show. I probably have slipped it in there unintentionally quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Hey, my grandfather was the same way. And that's where we got the name, you know? Really? That's yeah. where that comes from? Yep. Look oh. back at, if you look back on the episode on July 8th, you'll hear all about the yeah. history of Eddie Fest. July 8th, you said? Yep. I'm going to go back and watch that. I would love to see that. Yep. I'm a history nerd, so I like the backstories of things. Yep. So what I wanted to ask you, in your own words, since you use this term, what does it mean to be someone's buddy? I, I don't know. I think it's kind of a, I hate to say it's a Philly thing because buddy isn't specific to Philly, but it's that idea of like, if you're you're close enough to someone to be able to have an open conversation or goof around with them, or even just like bust their chops, you know, yo, bud, hey, buddy, you know, it's, 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 it's more than just a colloquialism. You know, for me, at least I, I call a lot of people friends or buddies or whatever, because I develop relationships with them, whether it be a working relationship, whether it be, you know, a friend relationship or a familiar relationship, whatever it is, but I treat them, at least in my mind, I, at least I hope I haven't maligned anybody in doing so, but I try to treat them kind of like family in my own right, because I, I have my actual like flesh and blood family. I have my friend circle family and I have my weird, like guys that show up to my funeral, like the end of big fish, like performance family as well. And they're all buddies to me. And I, I, I do this because I want to foster relationships with people I work with and mm-hmm. the people I know and the group around with or just go out and have a beer with, you know? Yes. Before I get to the ultimate buddy cast buddy question, I want to ask you real quick, do you have any upcoming shows, anything notable that you want to do a quick promotion on? Um, we do the Nugent's Follies every other Friday, so you can tune in. We're going to try something a little experimental. We want to do actual vintage vaudeville acts we're going to try to do that uh we're putting together another one with live performers as well um but you like i said just check in on nugent's follies i think it's just uh facebook.com follies um i am also putting into the works it's kind of like it's super secret right now and by super secret i mean like we haven't finished planning it yet but i enjoy the idea of doing cinematic shows so you can inject like this cabaret and variety into a cinematic setting. And I'm working with a guy named Frank Horror, who is primarily a horror director here in the Philadelphia area. He did our Halloween show for us. He wrote it. Um, we want to do something that's along the lines of Alice in Wonderland. And I don't want to reveal too, too much, but we're, we're crossing genres. We're doing like an Italian giallo, a um, little bit of psychological stuff, and it's going to include burlesque and magic and so on and so forth. So they're the two big ones I want to talk about. And if anyone's interested in history, Check out the Grim Podcast. I am one of the co-hosts of the Grim Podcast. We talk about bizarre, weird, macabre, true crime, and history every week. Nice. I yeah. can't wait to check those things out. Thank you. Yeah. So now, hopefully, gonna... hopefully, I'll be a little more diligent at going through your your archive. I mean, you have a hundred episodes. At least I can yep. do do that yep. in honor of having me for my ten year anniversary. So, absolutely. Hey, your ten year anniversary too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'll be my 10 year anniversary for Envoute Entertainment. Nice. So this year is our 10th season. And yes. what, a, what a year to have a 10 year anniversary. Mm-hmm. If anyone is out there, go play the lottery with the lucky numbers, with the lucky One numbers. Zero. Digits. Yeah. Like, yeah. 10,000, 
whatever you can find. Just make sure they're in the tens or the hundreds. Yes. Oh. Uh, yep. So I always end my episode with what I call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Heart, soul, mind. Yes. What is your advice for anyone who wants to do the work that you're doing? Like produce charity shows, produce shows in general, and just just go into the work that you have. Even teaching. Let's even mention some of that too. What's your advice? As far as teaching, I I was told by Professor Cavilia, who I, I cite almost constantly when it comes to like why I teach or taught rather the way that I do. He said, don't teach something you're not passionate about. And if you're going to teach, if you're going to share information, find a find something, a niche or a group of things or something. Even if you're talking about a subject you're not necessarily well-versed in, find something within that topic that you are passionate about and expound on it. Because the moment that you show your passion for that, other people will pick up for that. Like, they don't want to hear someone who's just going to go up and read from, like, a bulleted list of facts. They don't want to just see words. They want to hear someone who can tell a story, who can really, you know, talk about these things. Um, and as far as producing, I dabbled in theater, but like, I'm not like a thespian of any kind. Like I have no actual producing experience. Just get yourself a good team and do it. Like put your, you know, put your foot in the, in the water, try it. That's what I did. And it, it worked, I guess. I mean, no one, no one has tried to like put a hit on me or <laughs> or shut me down or arrest me yet. So, I it just do it, man. Just give it a go. It was a passion project that turned into something that is still ten years later a passion project, but employs a lot of folks who, you know, actually make money off the passion. So, if you find a niche of people that would be interested in working with, find yourself a good team. That's yeah. why I say support is a big thing, especially when you're out of your your normal realm of, you know, expertise. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so, so much, buddy. You gave tremendous advice. It was a tremendous episode. Couldn't think of a better way to celebrate our 100th, our 100th buddy cast. 100. My buddy, Adam. For all you out there, go check him out. Go check out his works. Nugent Hollies. It's a great show. I've been part of it. It was a lot of fun. He does a lot of charity shows like Rocking Our Disabilities. So, thank you so, so much. Thank you for listening, Nick. Thank you very much for having me on the show. It was a good way to start and otherwise. I need a favor from you before you leave. I need a favor from you before you leave. I'm open. What up? Go be someone's buddy today. On it. I I don't have the neat shirt, but. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a buddy cast exclusive. Yeah. (laughs) I'll give you the name of the company, though, but. We'll do, man. We'll do. All right. For all the buddies out there, this is my buddy Adam. Thank you for sticking with us for 100 episodes. Hopefully, there are over 100 more to come. So stick around and we will catch you next time, all here on your favorite show, BuddyCast. Well, the days are going fast. Buddy, buddy, we've got to make them last. Buddy, buddy, before they've all gone fast. Everybody tune in to Buddy Cast. Don't feel like it could make everybody here on Buddy Cast.